Hi everyone, this is Ali Reza Siadat. This is a new episode of Paytech Talk. Today we are going to talk about carbon credits and tokenization of carbon credits. And I'm very happy to have today our guest with me, Adrian Wons. Hi, Adrian. So I would like to you to introduce yourself and uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and also about Zinken. Hey, yeah, uh, thanks for the invite. Um, I'm Adrian, as Alirisa just said, and um, I'm yeah, uh, originally from Wiesbaden in uh, next to Frankfurt in Germany, but by now actually living in South Africa. So since two years, I live in South Africa, and I'll tell you a little bit why in a bit. But to my background, um, I'm actually like any other German, an automotive engineer. Um, later went then into more on the wind energy side of things, into computational fluid dynamics. So a lot like simulating how the wind streams go through the um, turbines, how the rotor blades have to be bent and stuff like that. Um, then somehow, I don't know how I got from that into consulting. I started at, at EY um, in the wind energy space. Um, and classic management consulting and then i was already super super interested in in blockchain and basically did a lot of um mining back in the days on the university servers and um that's how i actually got um yeah really deep into um blockchain technology and wrote a book um back at the hype of of the initial coin offerings for springer about um icos and um, with that, um, I pitched to why, hey, we need a department around that topic, um, which I then started at EY. In the beginning, it was like, yeah, or that's in the beginning. For the two months of the ICO hype, it was around initial coin offerings. But then later on, just in classic um, blockchain um, space, like, for instance, we helped uh, Maersk to create a container supply chain solution on blockchain, trade lands. And we had a lot of projects together with SAP. Um, then after that, after after three years um, doing that at EY, I started my first tech startup that didn't work out. I was actually supposed to connect SMEs, mostly on the countryside in Germany, with innovative talent. Um, but yeah, we were a little bit too early, I think. Um, maybe during Corona, it would have worked, but... Yeah. Um, after that, started a research institute um, for German or new German university on sustainable innovation. And that's how I actually got into the carbon credit space um, and started saying, yeah. Yeah, Adrian, th thank you for that. And actually, for those who listen more frequently, uh, know that I also came originally from a big four from PwC. Where I actually knew Adrian from, uh, we're, yeah, we're competitors, but in the blockchain environment, there is no competitors. So Adrian, I would rather say it's a, it's a good friend of the uh, old uh, blockchain ICO uh, uh, yeah, industry. And uh, I was very interested to see uh, during the, the the history of your of your career, Adrian, that you went into yeah sustainability and uh, and then with Senken, very interestingly. Uh, to to start with with buying, retiring, selling carbon credits. So I'm right now looking at your webpage. So for those of you who are not familiar with Sanken, just go on the webpage and check it out. And um, for those of you who are familiar with the yeah, venture capital industry in Germany, know that Sanken uh, actually closed quite successfully a couple of months ago, uh, yeah, a funding round. So congratulations to this, Adrian, to you and your team. So it's really a, a, a nice... Uh, 
example of how to use uh, blockchain, uh, the DLT technology, and uh, this uh, yeah, innovative topic uh, in respect to um, carbon credits and uh, so. But for those who are new to the topic, maybe you start with simply explaining why why should I buy a carbon credit and, and what does it mean retiring it and selling it and trading of carbon credits and what are carbon credits anyway? So maybe we start with this. Yeah, totally. I so let, let me maybe tell you how I got into the carbon space and why I figured out um, that the carbon market is actually broken um, and will not be one of the tools um, yeah, saving our assets from, from climate change. And that it it's what the carbon market actually is supposed to do, funnel a lot of capital towards climate projects around the world. So I, as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm two years ago, I moved to South Africa. My partner, she's South African. And um, she is really close with a lot of um, farmers and project developers down here in South Africa. And then on the other hand, I started this research institute um, and we looked into different things. Also in, for instance, what is the footprint of um, crypto transactions? And then I was like, okay, um, what can you do if you know your footprint um, of your Ethereum or back in the days or Bitcoin transactions? It's really hard to reduce them. I mean, on one hand, the merge for Ethereum came, but the next step after reducing your footprint as, as good as possible, you try to compensate um, your footprint by funneling capital towards projects that actually sequester co2 out of the atmosphere and when i looked into that i was like hmm, talked to a lot of the farmers down here and quickly realized that um 90 of all the carbon projects around the world are actually in the southern hemisphere but 90 of the buyers of these carbon credits are in the northern hemisphere um, and a lot of people actually take advantage of that um of that gap But why should someone actually buy a carbon credit? Um, a lot of the um, companies out there, they um, um, like have more and more these net zero goals that they put into place. And of course, the first thing, as I mentioned before, they have a decarbonization strategy to maybe um, switch to other energy sources or their production um, should maybe be um, turned into less... Um, or more sustainable um, practice but there will always be some sorts of emissions that you can't reduce and in order to get to that net zero so to say this residual emissions they um, buy these carbon credits and one carbon credit always stands for one ton of co2 either avoided or sequestered and um, around these carbon credits actually a big market evolved because it's not like Every carbon credit is the same and a carbon credit could, for instance, stand for a forestation project um, and uh, let's say um, a forestation project uh, in South Africa, which maybe has like, let's just take some figures, 1000 trees and they um, basically generated through the planting of these trees. Um, let's say a thousand um, carbon credits because they sequestered 1000 tons of CO2 into the soil. So by that, they basically then get these 1000 carbon credits 
and um, then they sell it to corporates out there, mostly corporates. Um, but as I just mentioned before, 90% are in the Southern Hemisphere um, of these projects and 90% are in the Northern Hemisphere. And the market has been really, really, um, let's say, over-the-counter heavy. Like most of the deals actually happened by phone. And it's a little bit like when, yeah, when you watch Wolf of Wall Street and you see with these penny stocks, like people actually trying to sell them um, over the phone, that's how the carbon market actually um, worked out most of the time. You literally had a complete um, non-transparent over-the-counter market where a lot of intermediaries actually took advantage of this non-existing transparency and of also this gap of um, geographic. Um, so what we've seen really often is that actually, um, and there was this one example down here in South Africa, which, which was the catalyst for us to start that, is that we've seen one project actually um, selling their carbon credit, so this one ton of CO2 for $3 um, to a broker. And um, after that, we found that exact credit on the market in Germany for $15. So basically $12 lost without any impact, a multiple of the original price. But you can't tra trace it back. We tried. We asked that that company where did you, where did you got it from. They said from this and this broker. We asked that broker where did you got it from. And he said from another broker, but I don't tell you from which. And each of these brokers always take like 40 or like say 30 to 100 percent um, transaction fees. Um, but as a, again, completely non-transparent. And we were then at this point where we said like, okay, a lot of intermediaries high transaction costs and no transparency that maybe could sound like a um, blockchain problem. And we also said like, hey, we need an insane amount of capital flowing towards carbon projects around the world. But with such an inefficient market, it would just not scale to that um, to that capital size. So yeah, um, with that in mind, we basically started Zenken and said like, hey, let's try to make this whole um, carbon market really transparent and also just take out all the, these friction points so that actually most of the money um, ends up uh, at the cost. And yeah, that's that's basically the origin story. Thank you, Adrian. And this, this uh, sounds to me as a, a beginner in a carbon credit market, very, very yeah, impressive. Um, so so let's let's go to the beginning again and let's try to assume I would be like a mid-sized German company which is interested to to buy carbon credits to reduce my uh, carbon footprint. I mean we also I think have to differentiate between the different kinds of carbon credits. I mean first of all, which is very important, I think for those who listen, either those who want to do something in this market or those who want to invest in carbon credits or buy carbon credits, You should understand that the, the, this voluntary carbon credit market is called voluntary carbon credit market because it is not regulated. So there may be companies such as I don't know Lufthansa or others that may be asked to 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 have carbon credits to show that they're uh, balancing or reducing or, or, or showing that they, they what they have produced in carbon they 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 reduce it. Yeah, and there are others who maybe buy it because they are trying to be ESG compliant. They have some corporate or company policy. 
and they have to show that they, they do something in that respect. Uh, uh, so, but there may be also others. These are the ones I would call them investors. So I use this term already, but uh, this is not really fair to the whole concept because the concept is not into investing in carbon credit, but rather into investing in projects which reduce uh, the greenhouse gases or compensate greenhouse gases. And, and on the other side, to, for those who, who want to be ESG compliant, to show that they are doing something. Um, so. There are maybe some investors who do this. They buy carbon credits and they speculate that the carbon uh, credit price will increase and then sell it later on, on a, for a higher price. Okay, we also have those. But let's assume that we we talk about uh, not the investors because otherwise maybe you would not talk about spot carbon credit, but rather about carbon forward. So carbon credits which you do not buy yet, but you buy forward and you can get a carbon credit in the future for a project which is in the process. So let's let's say we take the plain vanilla case. We have a we have a we have a case like you said, Adrian. So I'm looking now at your web page. I can see that there's this Cordillera Azul National Park project. So this is my uh, as I can see it in existing project 2013, right? So and this uh, is a project where probably we have already carbon credits. So how does it work? If I want to buy a carbon credit, can I buy this carbon credit now from you? Do I buy it in a tokenized um, format or can I buy it and tokenize it afterwards? How does it work? And um, who else is involved? I heard about registries. Do I need to have an account of a registry uh, or does it work through you? So maybe you just give the basics. Yeah, so um, I always love to take the, that example of OpenSea um, to explain our our platform because what OpenSea actually does is it basically is a front end to all ESC721 um, credits so all NFTs not credit tokens all the NFTs that are get that get created under that standard are directly visible um, on OpenSea and we did something a little bit similar. I mean, there is no um, on-chain carbon standard at the moment. Um, I know there are groups, which we also involved um, with, that is trying to establish one. Um, but at the moment, there is none. But we do something similar. So we basically um, list um, on-chain carbon credits of other providers. Um, and we little bit created our own standard and everything that falls under that standard um, is directly listed. So in this case, for instance, Tucan, um, which is, is basically the issuer of these credits and, and, and the tokenizer of these credits are directly um, yeah, accessible, these credits on our platform. So these credits you, you buy on our platform, they are in a tokenized state already. Um, and so... The interesting part really is, um, and that's why we also could directly have like a massive volume um, on our platform, is that before um, the market was yeah in a lot of silos um, because there were a couple of smaller exchanges, then there was a lot of OTC, um, which is really bad actually to scale a market. And it's also really bad to have good price exploration because actually the price of carbon is still way too low. Like what ton of carbon um, costs only $3? Um, like what ton of anything costs $3? Like I think one ton of glass, one ton of, I don't know, rocks, whatever you buy 
costs more than three dollars so it's because there was no real price exploration because there was no transparency so what we've basically done is now um aggregating all these different supply pockets of um, on-chain carbon and thereby could directly have more than 20 million carbon credits on our platform which is like almost six percent of the global carbon market that's bigger than any um kind of um, carbon venue out there um and what you basically do in our platform is you can explore um these carbon credits so you can just on OpenSea you have like different kind of filters um that you can um, filter for for instance one thing that's really important um carbon ratings so we work with a rating agency called b0 together which um has different kind of um, ratings just as you know it from the financial markets triple a and so on um you can filter for that you can filter for um methodology so is it a um, forestation project regenerative agriculture you can filter for the issuance date so the vintage also called in that space you can filter for the country so you basically can filter for all these things and then see what kind of credits there are on our platform and then when you go and, and choose a project um they also for instance listed the sustainable development goals so for instance did this um, carbon credit um, or this project behind also maybe created work did it um uh, like um, gender equality that it had impact on that so all these 17 um, sdgs and then if you go on the project itself um you see um, a buying panel and you see what the current price for that is and then um when you want to buy you have to sign in um and we work together with a company called web free auth now but we're going to integrate another one a really um, well-known one in in the next months um, where you can log in either with your email address or with any other things and it basically creates a wallet behind that or just any other web free application with your metamask coinbase wallet and so on and then you basically um, can buy this credit um, what actually happens then if you let's say you buy um, 100 credits of this um um, project you just showed before um you also have a portfolio so if you buy something at the end you basically have your portfolio manager and it shows you even more details around it like also what is how did the price evolve um and you can see um like your whole portfolio how what does it consist of of like um maybe your um, portfolio has 30% triple a 30% double a and maybe one uh, a 10% maybe only a and so on and so forth so you have all these informations and the different options you then have in your portfolio manager is basically two things so either you're going to sell the credit again um to on the marketplace or you retire that credit and um, you're already touched it retirement and also touch it again retirement is basically you use this credit um to compensate for your footprint and that's really important because um what blockchain enables is basically that um, you will never run into double counting um, problems because before mostly you got a pdf um of your retirement certificate what happens now is 
that actually um, when you retire this credit gets burned so it's just not usable anymore and the retirement certificate that you get is still a pdf but it's basically refer referencing back to a transaction hash on the blockchain so um on this portfolio manager you can um also look in your retirement um that you did and you of course always have that certificate which is under like has this transaction hash underlying showing that this credit is not usable anymore and also you just can't use it anymore and this is actually a really important function in the market even though everyone thinks it's really trivial if you come into the market first but the market is really old school so you actually said something where I wanted to, to challenge you. I mean, I'm and myself, Please. you, Adrian, we're, we're, we're both, um, we both believe in, in the blockchain technology, but there are so many people who would say, why do we need to have the blockchain for, for buying, trading and um, offsetting of carbon credits? And you said something very interesting, the, the, the problem of uh, double spending, which we have a lot and uh, with the technology with blockchain you can circumvent that when we we, we took it now from we, we explained it now you explained it now for the example of what happens you once um, offset your carbon credit and then you get the receipt but you can have the same also uh, in the beginning so let's say we have a a forward contract which i can also find on your on your web page i mean uh, someone can sell you a forward contract and uh, someone can assume or, or tell you that there is a project and maybe there is no project or maybe there is a project but this person is selling lots of uh, forward contracts uh, maybe the same ones uh, double and three times uh, can you maybe explain in that direction one more time to the listeners why we why the blockchain is for this uh, yeah concept for the, for this project very essential yeah so looking so there are different kind of things to that question i would say on one hand um not only the retirement has of course a, or could have a potential double counting um angle of attack let's put it like this but um also the whole issuance of credits in general um could have that um i mean before also in the forward space most of the trust was basically hey i trust this project developer that he is not having anything bad on his mind and he um and doesn't mean any harm um so that's the one thing um that that was happening before um and now with um basically having this on blockchain they're different things so first of all um what you could do in a in a forward contract is that you basically have this forward contract and as soon as it actually issues a carbon credit this forward contract directly converts into a carbon credit um, or that carbon credit that comes out of that forward contract before this was um completely um yeah not connected um you basically had a forward contract and then it said like hey later on you can buy uh, you can you will get a carbon credit from somewhere but there was no straight correlation or like contractual relation between when the carbon credit is issued this forward directly converts so um there was nowhere and um this is one thing and then i think also going forward i think one really interesting thing is 
that um, what is a carbon credit actually or what makes something a carbon credit is basically actually the underlying data so basically in that space you call it mrv measurement reporting and verification of this carbon claim because a carbon credit is actually a claim it's not like you can drive somewhere and say like i want my carbon back um, there's no asset actually underlying that carbon credit but you probably can say more about it but um what what is really important is that this um data was also completely um not connected with the carbon credit before mostly you had a pdf and an auditor came over and said like that data looks good but now what um, um takes place more and more often is that you basically underneath this credit you can um, attach all these different kind of data points for instance satellite data which also ensures that for instance maybe certain kind of gps data can only be written um, on a credit once or attached to a credit once or you could always verify if it only has been used once so you could uh, attach satellite data different kind of sensor data and basically, instead of just owning um, this carbon credit without really knowing what data underlies, um, you basically just if maybe even take the NFT space where in the beginning, most of the pictures were actually not um, like really connected um, or just stored in a centralized database. It's now mostly with interplanetary file systems or decentralized um, storage. And the same can be done with a carbon credit. So it's more immutable, um, the records, and um, you can also assure that maybe certain kind of data is only used to issue once uh, or issue credit once. Okay, thank you, Adrian. So one, one big advantage of the blockchain is making things which are not that transparent, transparent, I think, you demonstrated uh, nicely how this could be done in this carbon credit market. I mean, when I look on your webpage, I see uh, ex the exact number of credits available, the, the location where this project is, the, the time where this project started. I even see something which is called BCO Carbon Credit, BBB. What is that? Yeah, that was the one rating I, I was talking about before. Um I see that they changed their rating actually yesterday. I wasn't sure if they already integrated before. It was from A to triple A. Um, and I think now it's from, I, I think, D to to A, I think. Something like that. So they have the new rating um, scale in there. But basically what um, these rating agencies are doing, they're giving um, just on like a um equity or debt market they're giving um ratings to these projects and what they look into is different things like for instance um things like additionality which is a really important thing is like would this project have happened without the funding of these carbon credits yes or no really important because if um it doesn't like it would have happened anyways without the funding through carbon credits then why you have carbon credits anyways so that's a really important thing then they look into different things like is the measurement method they used um, like clear and straightforward does it make sense then also like what are there any kind of perverse incentives during that project what is national um, security level like and all these kind of things and then based on that in a lot of scientific work they basically give a rating to this project of does this project actually achieve the, the promises of avoiding or sequestering one ton of CO2. 
Okay, thank you. I, mean, I think this is very important too when we talk about uh, transparency because I think these ratings, in my opinion, they, they really make sense of such projects because many people, as you said, it not 90% of the people in the Northern Hemisphere don't really have a clue of what's going on uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. And you can rely on ratings. I think you should not rely 100% on the rating. You should do your own due diligence in the end of the day, but it really helps. But this brings me to my uh, another question. So one point of blockchain is making things transparent, which are not that transparent, and maybe trying to help this double counting, double spending uh, issue, which is, uh, I think, in this uh, project, very nice. Uh, yeah, you can really nice see it. And the second thing, uh, why to have a token uh, mainly, is the uh, yeah, opportunity to do trading, like a secondary market trading. So in other words, if I would um, buy the carbon credit on your web page and I'm I'm intending to to do the offsetting but at some point I realized hmm, I don't need to do the offsetting I would rather like to sell it and then I would sell my carbon credit to someone else and this other person couldn't do the offsetting is that how I describe it and is it something you're also uh, uh, offering or covering yeah so the secondary market is actually really really important function um for the carbon markets or for any kind of financial markets to scale right because um otherwise a market is not liquid um and we need the financial markets to also step in um to scale the carbon market because i think i talked about the net zero pledges before but a lot of these net zero pledges they only come into play in like two years, three years, 230, 240. So at this point, a lot of corporates actually need to buy these, but it's not that a forest grows in like a month. Um, it needs a couple of years. So in order to make this, I would say future um, supply shortage or bottleneck um, interesting for, for institutional investors and so on, there need to be financial markets involved. And One thing, of course, really important for them is to maybe invest into carbon credits now um, and to resell them in the future. Or, and that's what we are seeing as well for corporates, is that the function of um, buying carbon credits is more and more a function of the CFO because everything around it is risk and financial decisions. It becomes a bigger and bigger thing on the balance sheet and They, of course, need to look into, okay, what kind of, what is the amount of credits we need in the next years? And of course, they also want to hedge. They want to see um, what kind of financial functions like hedging can I can I do to mitigate my risk? And um, also, if there's no secondary market, there's no real incentive for them to lower the footprint quicker, right? Because if they buy credits for the next three years and then suddenly they... Um, They've, they maybe did like something innovative and they reduced their footprint even further and they can't sell these credits. What kind of um, financial incentive is there for them? So the secondary uh, market function is really, really important and also important to have really, really low transaction fee on that. Um, because I mean, you don't want to be that. And that's uh, like a critical thing in the market. Like the other intermediaries every time taking out like 30%. You don't want to take too much value out of that market. Yeah, interesting. Um, so I'm also looking at another point. So we talked now about the plain vanilla 
trading of or buying and trading of carbon credits in the spot market. I can see on your webpage that you also deal with forward contracts. Uh, can you explain what what is a forward contract and what is the purpose of that? Yeah, as I mentioned just now, is the big big thing is this um, on one hand problem of you will definitely have a shortage of carbon credits in the future. We already see it happening now. Um, but a lot of these net zero pledges only gonna hit in over the next years. And we also see, of course, there's way more publicity around it. Um, so also publicity, but there's also more and more laws actually coming into place that you maybe have to do your accounting and maybe for even some parts you have to buy credits. Like for instance, you already said there are two different markets, like the voluntary markets. That's what we are basically were talking about. And the compliance market and the compliance market you have to buy um allowances or credits by law and there are actually some markets coming up that say um like for instance corsia that's the aviation market you have to buy credits by law but you can buy it from the voluntary market so there's a lot of um demand um or buy pressure um coming to that market over the next years um But as I mentioned before, it's not like that exactly at that point, these carbon credits are issued because it normally takes like five years for, or always depends on the project type, like forestation or is it mangrove or renewable energy? Um, like tech-based always goes a little bit quicker than um, nature-based, but nature-based is way more popular and has a, most of the times a bigger impact. So um, what you actually um, do and um, something that's really interesting for investors, but also for corporates, is to basically pre-fund projects. And from two points, it's really interesting because on one hand, um, you basically support projects in an earlier phase, which is really, really important um, because there is also funding bottleneck for carbon projects. So you fund them a little bit earlier for a certain kind of discount. Um, and then, for instance, in that case, in two years, a carbon credit actually gets issued um, and your forward basically converts into a carbon credit. So um, this is a really important function for the market to work. And that's something where we now actually looking a lot into and trying to create um, also that institutional infrastructure um, for institutionals trading this to um, fund even more capital towards climate projects in an early phase against a certain kind of discount. Yeah, I can just see on your webpage, uh, you have one project there, the Pabarico project. Uh, I can see lots of information, even like the estimated date 2025 and what is there. I mean, if, if you if you explain that to someone else, they would think, okay, it's a wild, wild west with uh, the voluntary carbon credit market. But as I, as I can see it, and as I have some uh, good basic uh, knowledge of the carbon credit market, uh, it looks to me very standardized. I heard also that the United Nations is looking at that and also the possibility of tokenizing that kind of uh, forward uh, contracts and stuff like that. Uh, can you explain a little bit more on that uh, to 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 give a little bit more insight to the listeners yeah i think in general um, standardization is super super important to scale the market actually um and i think for that blockchain also can help 
quite a lot um, because if you have standard contracts, um, I just mentioned OpenSea, they have a standard, um, the ERC721 standard, which, make, which made it really, really easy to scale up these digital underlying digital assets. Um, and you can do the same for, for other kind of digital assets, right? You can do it for um, carbon projects. You can do it for forwards. And before what actually happened really often with forwards is that um, it was always like individual um, contracts, but it's actually a standard thing to do. So in order to actually scale up um, that funding and take a lot of also admin fees and other fees out of it, you basically try to also create forward standards. Um, and I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work from the UN, from the World Bank, um, also to to figure out like how can we um, bring it together with blockchain. And in general, in that whole um, carbon market, um, and I've been to a lot of like blockchain markets, I would say, um, I've never seen a market that's, I would say, so influenced and already so far advanced because a lot of the um, also old school players um, are seeing the potential than in the car markets. It's 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 quite crazy. Yeah, I would uh, absolutely agree to that. I'm looking into this carbon market and carbon uh, tokenization market for quite some time already. But my last question, uh, it goes more to the blockchain question or the technological question. Maybe you can explain to the listeners what kind of blockchain technology you use and what kind of token you you mint. Uh, is, it a, uh, is it an NFT maybe? <laughs> so can you uh, explain a little bit on that? Yeah, so um, I mean, we're basically not minting anything ourselves. Um, as I mentioned before, we aggregate at the moment. It's all happening on Polygon. And how the carbon space is currently um, like set up on the technical side of things is that you have an ERC721 um, and there you have all the project data. Um, like for instance, as I mentioned before, the year, the country and so on. And this ERC721 is actually wrapped with an ERC20 um, by the amount of carbon credits um, of this project. Um, so actually you have an ERC20, even though um, there are a lot of projects now coming out with an ERC1155, um, because if you look at the pure nature of the ERC1155, it fits perfectly for carbon credits because carbon credits are basically semi-fungible, right? Um, uh, like you one project, um, from one project, all the credits are the same, but if you have a Another project that's almost similar, like one kilometer down the street, is already a different credit, um, even though maybe it, it could be really much the same. So uh, this reason it's semi-fungible and the ESC 1155 fits perfectly. The thing is, though, that a lot of protocols out there in the DeFi space are made for the ESC 20. So that's the reason a lot of them start with ESC 20. At the moment, everything is ESC 20 on our platform, but we're also currently working on 1155 um, integration, as well as for um, cross-chain um, uh, aggregation, like um, Celo, for instance, or Near Protocol or Cosmos. Thank you, Adrian. I mean, I, I also needed that, that question from you to be answered because I wanted to give something back to you, my own legal analysis. 
Uh, because uh, as, as some of you have heard, uh, Bafin has most recently published its uh, application on NFTs. So when is an NFT regulated? What is an NFT? And things like that. So as I understand from you, we have the ERC-20 wrapper, uh, the wrapped token. So this one, the ERC-20 is most likely not uh, an NFT because it's fungible by, by, by the technological standard. The 721, the smart contract, it is non-fungible, but this is not the one uh, for where, where which is used for the for the yeah for the carbon credits itself, which are given out. And the 1155 could be uh, non-fungible, could be fungible, depends on how the smart contract is set. But this is the technological part. So the the the, the question which uh, the regulator Bafin or in the future. From next month, most likely, when we're going to have the markets and crypto assets regulation in place, the question which is then asked is, what is the token really representing? And please correct me, Adrian, but as I understand, the token is not representing, in the end of the day, um, the carbon credit itself, but it's representing the rights, like analogos are parallel to the carbon credit. Uh, most of the registries, maybe there are some who do it, but most of the registries, they book the carbon credits in their own registry, which is not allowing a token to be registered. Maybe Tukan is doing it differently. Uh, but actually, what I want to say is that the, the token is not the, the carbon credit. The token gives you the right to offset the carbon credit. So this is also why you can trade the token. And the, the, the carbon credit will always rely on registry. Whoever comes with the token, says, I'm the owner of this carbon credit, can then do the offsetting. But you're actually not really trading the, the, the carbon credit itself. But please correct me, Adrian. And because of that, I would say, in the end of the day, the, the, the token is not really covering a, a financial asset or financial instrument. That's why we do not really need to regulate that so far. Uh, if at some point all the registries accept the token and then the token is a, is a, is a carbon credit end of the day, then the, the story may be different. Uh, but for now, I would say we are fine. And I also know that Bafin had already two, uh, two requests in, 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 in saying what the NFT in respect to a carbon credit is. And uh, Bafin said uh, it's not regulated. Uh, but please correct me, Adrian, if I, if I got anything wrong. But uh, uh, as we are talking on, on Paytech Talk, when we normally talk much more about legal, I think that the listeners uh, needed to hear a little bit about some regulation stuff. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. And also, it's really, really interesting how carbon credits are, from a legal point of view, treated differently in different jurisdictions. Um, so it's a, it's a really interesting topic. And I think there will be more regulation coming um when the market grows or continue cr to grow to grow like this um because i think a lot of um the financial um, authorities haven't looked into it too much because it was still quite small but i'm curious in which direction it will go yeah absolutely i mean the reason why uh the the traditional carbon emission certificates or credits are regulated those who are listed on the kyoto protocol is because you can trade them on a on a regulated trading venue so you can trade them on a on a capital market uh, but we are not so far we're not so far to say that all the uh, voluntarily uh, traded carbon credits are traded on a on a financial or capital market because in the end of the day you have to think what is the purpose of those who buy it I, I would say in the, the majority of those who buy it, they want to do something either to support the project or to 
reduce the the the, the footprint, uh, and they do it mostly on a voluntary basis. I mean, there are uh, companies such as Lufthansa who have to do it, who can also buy uh, on a voluntary market. But I would say that still the the the, the voluntary carbon market is voluntary because. Um, the people they do it uh, not for 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 investment or trading purpose, but rather for an yeah ESG purpose or for some purpose which is uh, way beyond or away from the financial market. How do you see that? Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, good. So good. I mean, Adrian, I could talk to you for for much more hours, and I'm pretty sure we will do that in the future. Uh, but I would uh, like now to uh, thank you and uh, say uh, goodbye and see you hopefully soon again or hear from you soon again. Yeah, likewise. Thanks a lot for the invite. See you.